My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Hey there, welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. Uh, Happy New Year. Uh, If you're listening to this, it is 2023. And uh, man, I I really did try to just take a little break and like say, oh, I'm not going to I'm not going to release an episode for a week. I'm just going to take a deep breath. And it just didn't work out that way. (laughs) I really did try. I was planning on it. But some things came up in my heart. And I was like, you know, I, I really feel like I need to put this out there for anybody that needs to hear it. And and so, hey, I'd rather defer on the side of, of obeying the Lord and putting something out there, even if only one person heard it, then it would be so worth it for that one person to be ministered to, than for me to not put something out and somebody to miss something, which it is good to rest, and it is good to, to let things rest sometimes, but that's just not what it came up in my heart as I got closer and closer to it. And so uh, here I am releasing another episode <laughs> at the beginning of the year. And uh, something came up in my heart, and, and I just wanted to to minister this. And uh, this is the first podcast of 2023. This is also the first podcast of Season 8 of the No Content Podcast. We finished up uh, Season 7 with uh, the last podcast, which was God Gives and Takes Away? Question mark. And we talked about, does God give and then take away? And we got into the book of Job a little bit. And we talked about how to respond uh, in the face of tragedy and, and things happening that, that don't always make sense. And how God's goodness uh, is steadfast even when the enemy is trying to attack us. And so if you didn't hear that, that's still back there and available for you. But I wanted to get into something else here just in the beginning of 2023. Um, and that is uh, the topic of pity. <laughs> If you see the, the title of the podcast, you, you see that it's entitled, For Pity's Sake. And uh, when it comes to grief, and when it comes to heartbreak and things of that nature, I've talked about this some in the past, but there's a lot of good teaching and a lot of good material about how to address these kinds of things. Um, and, and my heart is to preach my part. And I'm sure I haven't always done that perfectly, and I'm still growing in it. Um, but I, my part isn't necessarily to re-preach somebody else's part, even though that was good and right. I, I want to do my part. I want to study the Scripture for myself and find out, Lord, what, what would you have me minister? But my, my commitment to you as the listener is that I will always endeavor to keep it in line with the Word of God to the best of my knowledge and ability. And so uh, let's get into it. I'll read a scripture and we'll go from there. In Isaiah 40, verse 1, it says, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem. He said, comfort my people. So what do we know from Isaiah 40, verse 1? We know that God is interested in his people being comforted. But what's interesting about this is that I want to read a couple of definitions of this word comfort and what it actually means. 
Um, the Hebrew study of this passage reveals that this word comfort, I'm probably not going to say it right now, even try to do the Hebrew voice thing, but it's Nahamu, I think, is how you say it, or Nahama. Uh, you know, I had to do the little haha, you know. But <laughs> it, this word means to comfort, to console, to turn toward, to suffer with, to grieve with, or to offer relief to. That's, the, that's what this word comfort means. And, and what's interesting about it, if you look it up, it also means to console oneself. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, hold on a second. I, I thought we weren't, supposed to, we weren't supposed to feel sorry for ourselves. We're not supposed to feel sorry for ourselves, but that doesn't mean we can't comfort ourselves. What do I mean by that? The Bible says that when David had a tragedy strike him, he cried till he couldn't shed any more tears, but then what did he do? He encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, encouragement is comfort. Comfort is encouragement. So encouraging yourself is the same as comforting yourself, consoling yourself. To console has the picture of a child who is upset and who is given a bottle and is, is quieted, is, is consoled. And so we don't want to uh, feel sorry for ourselves. We don't want to get into this downward spiral of just amplifying all the negative things that have happened to us and woe is me, poor me. No, that leads to death. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to help somebody do that. But to console oneself has to do with quieting yourself, has to do with comforting yourself and encouraging yourself. Now, there are times where we may have to do that. <laughs> and it's always nice to have somebody else comfort you and to console you. But if, if nobody else is around, you can still comfort and encourage yourself in the Lord. But, but I just wanted to kind of just touch on that for a second, just because that was in the definition. And we'll go somewhere with that in a little bit. But the big thing I wanted to mention to you in this verse is that God is saying, comfort my people. And so he designed the body of Christ to comfort each other and, and to console each other. And, and let's read those definitions again. To, to turn toward, to suffer with, to grieve with, to offer relief to. That's what God designed the body of Christ to do for and with each other. And the, the uh, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about if one member of the body hurts, then the whole body hurts. And so it's important that we know what God is saying in this. Let me, let me read something else to you. And this is the interesting part. Uh, this word, nahamu or nahama, it, 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 this is how it's broken down. Um, it's two overlapping words. And the first word is no ache. Did you hear that? It's no ache. And that literally means comfortable and resting. Well, have you ever had a toothache before? Well, if you have a toothache, you are not comforted and you are not at rest. But it's interesting that the first part is literally no ache. Why? Because if you have no ache, you're comfortable and you're resting. If the ache is removed, then you are comforted, you are at rest like a child. And the second part of this word is cham or chama, which means warm. So the two words are no ache 
and chama, which means comfortable, resting, and warm. <laughs> so that's that's the, the the literal kind of breaking apart of this word and what it means. So I love the picture that this is painting because comfort in this passage is not just talking about oh, it's, it'll be okay patting you on the back. This is implying that the ache is removed and warmth is brought in. It, it's like you're out in the cold, and, and it's cold right now, so you can relate to this, and somebody wrapping a warm blanket around you, bringing you to a warm fire, giving you a hot cup of hot chocolate or tea or coffee or whatever it is. It's comforting, it's warming, and it's removing the emptiness, it's removing the ache. And that's what this comfort is. And now I want you to remember that because that's going to be significant for where we're going here. But comfort is removing the ache and it's bringing warmth. That's what he's talking about in this. And uh, let me just touch on this again. You know, I talked about how one of the definitions is to console yourself. Well, we got to be careful with self-pity. And self-pity has to do with, I'm feeling sorry for myself, woe is me, (laughs) Um, you know, pointing out all the negative things that have happened to me, and nobody likes me, and this always happens to me, and and there's no victory in that, and there's no future in that, which is why you got to watch out about that, Um, you know, this is what happened with Peter and Jesus, Peter literally told Jesus when he had talked about him going to the cross, uh, Jesus, pity yourself, And that's when Jesus whirled around and said, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) And so the enemy will try to get us to feel sorry for ourselves and and to sink into a hole and a downward spiral of negativity and darkness. Why? Because there's no future in that. And that's not God's will for us. He wants to relieve us of the ache. He wants us to come out of it. He wants to heal it. So he's not gonna he's not gonna send you in a direction that is leading you further into the thing he's trying to deliver you out of. <laughs> you understand? And and true friends, true comforters are not people who will help you go farther into the pool of despondency. <laughs> That's a Pilgrim's Progress reference. Maybe you caught it. But the one who will help you to come out of it, the one who will give you a hand and help pull you out of that place. And so that's a true friend, that's a true comforter. And that's what it means to comfort each other. It's bringing relief to. But notice that it also included the idea of suffering with. Um, This reminds me of how Galatians 6 talks about, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And and in that passage, the the context is talking about restoring somebody who has been uh, overtaken with condemnation. And so we want to help people get out of that pit. We want people to get out of that place of darkness and despondency. And that's what it means to comfort. It means to bring relief to, to add warmth to, like taking away the dirty, muddy clothes and giving them something fresh to wear. Now that's going to come into play too here in a minute. But watch this in Psalm 103. It says, The Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Down in verse 13, it says, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. Now here's the interesting thing. This word pity, it means to comfort or console, but it also means compassion. 
But it doesn't just mean compassion. It means compassion that inspires action. Do you see that? Compassion that inspires action. You know, the whole ministry of Jesus was characterized by this. Compassion that inspired action. What action? What action does this compassion inspire? The action of bringing comfort. The action of removing the ache and bringing warmth into the situation. And this word pity, when the Bible says the Lord pities us, is talking about this compassion that motivates him to draw near and to comfort. And so it's important for us to establish that because this is not just sympathy. Sympathy is not necessarily helping you. But, you know, really when we talk about pity, we need to, we need to use the Bible definition of pity. Because I think, uh, for the most part, pity has gotten a bad rap that we've talked so much about self-pity that we've, we've forgotten that the Bible says that even though we shouldn't fall into self-pity, that the Lord pities us. That's what the Bible says. He pities us because He knows our frame. In other words, He knows what we're dealing with. He knows our fragile soul. He knows our fragile flesh. And he knows what we deal with. Now, I know somebody you know, will say, well, no, Ben, you know, that doesn't apply to us anymore because now you know, we have the Holy Spirit and David didn't have the Holy Spirit. Well, if that's true, then when it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord, that doesn't apply to us either, because he didn't have the Holy Spirit then. See, you see, we got to be careful about about you, treating scriptures like jelly beans. You just pick out the ones you like. No, um, that's true that David wasn't infilled with the Holy Spirit, but he still had a spirit. So he wasn't just flesh and blood when he wrote this. He's a spirit. I mean, he's still living today in heaven, but. What he's talking about here is God understands our frame. He understands what we're made out of. In other words, he, he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And therefore, God has compassion, or you could say has pity on us. And because he has pity on us, that's not just him sending us a little card in the mail to say, I'm thinking about you. No, it's motivating him into action to bring comfort to take away the ache, and to bring warmth into the situation. That's what this compassion is rising up in him to do. And it's the same compassion that's been shed abroad in our heart that will cause us to move into action, to bring comfort to other people. And pity is not a bad thing in the Bible. Uh, Proverbs talks about those who pity the poor. And Jesus had compassion on people, pitied people in their state, in their situation, and he was moved into action to bring them healing and to bring them comfort. And so I want to just establish that for a minute, that God, he loves us, he cares about us, and yes, we're not supposed to fall into self-pity, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have pity on us, and that also doesn't mean we shouldn't have pity on each other. Now, we're not supposed to just join into some pity party, like I was talking about earlier, where it's a downward spiral of just agreeing with people who are speaking death over themselves and agreeing with people that they have no hope. <laughs> well, that's not comforting them. That's not helping them. No, uh, you, can, you can speak life into people and yet do it out of compassion and with a tender spirit and a merciful spirit and, and even with a tender tone. 
And, you know, this is something that when we get God's heart on this, it'll help us to know how to treat other people when they're dealing with things. And it'll also help us to know how God responds to us. Because the truth is, if you don't receive comfort from the Holy Spirit, you don't have comfort to minister to other people. Let me go ahead and read that to you just since I mentioned it. Over in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, if you don't receive comfort from the comforter, how can you minister comfort to other people? <laughs> and this is the thing that we got to watch out for because some people haven't fully received that comfort from the Lord because they believed this idea that God doesn't pity us and that we're not supposed to pity each other because that's not faith. Uh, I'm not pausing because I don't know what to say next. I'm pausing for a reason. You understand? <laughs> No, the Bible says that God does pity us. Now, that doesn't mean he feels sorry for us. That means he has compassion on us, and he wants to help us. He wants to comfort us. He wants to bring comfort and joy back to us. He wants to restore to us the joy of our salvation. That's what we're talking about here. Amen. And we do have to watch about pitying ourselves, but we have to understand that our Heavenly Father loves us, has compassion for us, he shows pity on us, and he'll use us to comfort each other. He'll inspire compassion and pity for each other that moves us to comfort and to relieve. This is a part of what I believe the Bible means when it says to weep with those who weep. Amen. And comfort brings warmth. Now let me, let me mention this to you. Isaiah 61, verse 1, uh, this is Jesus talking. You know, uh, it's true that Jesus read this from Isaiah in Luke chapter 4, but the reality of it is that Isaiah is actually quoting Jesus prophetically. That's just a little something extra for you on the side. That's a little little bit of uh, cranberry jelly. Um, but he says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now that is taking away the ache. Being sent to heal the brokenhearted, that's taking away the ache. He said to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and to console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's the bringing of the warmth. And remember, the two things we're talking about that comfort does is it takes away the ache and it brings warmth into a cold situation, you could say. Well, it's interesting to note that God gave us a garment of praise. Now, if you are given a garment, if you're given a coat, well, you still have to put it on. You understand? You still have to put on a garment of praise, but it's been given to you. But what's interesting about this is that, you know, I've said this a few times, but you can't control the temperature outside, but you can put on a coat. 
And in the same way, you can't control every circumstance around you, but you can put on a garment of praise. Do you see that? You can put on a garment of praise. And this is one of the ways that we find comfort and relief in the midst of a cold situation. (laughs) Do you see that? Praise God. But there's something I want to mention here when it comes to us comforting each other, being there for each other in a moment of heartache, a moment of grief, a moment of something awful happening, a tragedy of something of that nature. And it's something that I, I, I came across in the book of Proverbs. And I've mentioned this before. But in Proverbs twenty five twenty, it says this, As he that takes away a garment in cold weather. Now, what did he say that he gave us? A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. But this says, He that takes away a garment in cold weather, and as vinegar upon nitre, so is he that sings songs to a heavy heart. <laughs> now I'm poking a holy cow, and it's not a Baptist one. But, but listen to me. Listen to this in the Amplified. Like one who takes off a garment in cold weather, or like a reactive, useless mixture of vinegar on soda, is he who thoughtlessly sings joyful songs to a heavy heart. Uh-oh. <laughs> Let's look at it in the Passion Translation. When you sing a song of joy to someone suffering in the deepest grief and heartache, it can be compared to disrobing in the middle of a blizzard or rubbing salt in a wound. Now, now we're talking about how comfort is taking away the ache and bringing in warmth and bringing relief. But what he's talking about is somebody who's being joyful, (laughs) singing a song of joy, and yet it's not bringing relief. It's actually stealing comfort. And this is something that does not bring comfort, is a complete lack of pity. And a complete lack of compassion, a complete lack of empathy. And this is not faith to do this. That because I'm quote-unquote in faith, and I'm quote-unquote full of joy, I'm going to come in, and I'm going to preach, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to do all this stuff and say, Hey, you know, stop being so sad. You know, lift your head up. It's, It's fine, you know. But I'm not the one going through it. But they're going through it, and yet I'm going to act like, you you see what I'm saying? And here's something you got to watch out about. When you're ministering to somebody who's going through something, if you've never been through that, you need to tread carefully. And one thing that will help is to ask yourself, what would I want people to say to me if I was the one dealing with this? And this is why a lot of times you see people who have gone through things are a lot more sensitive to other people who deal with stuff. Now, I'm not talking about you joining in with some kind of death-filled pity party and downward spiral of depression. No, 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 no. That's not helping them. You don't need to jump into the, the mud puddle with them. You want to help pull them out. But this is one of the ways you do that is that you don't come in with a lack of pity, a lack of empathy, a lack of compassion. And that's not how God is. That's not what God does. The Bible said he is near to the brokenhearted. 
And so we got to be careful about that. We see that in the book of Job. His friends came, and I like what my, my father in the faith, Brother Keith Moore, says. They came to comfort, and they stayed to torment. <laughs> and they knew, they knew a lot of stuff, but they, they, they were not showing compassion. They were not having pity on Job. And, and I don't agree with the idea that we're not supposed to show pity for each other when we're going through stuff. And that, that there's almost like a, a shunning of that in some circles. And, and that's not right. Um, there's supposed to be pity. There's supposed to be compassion. There's supposed to be empathy. Now, there's not supposed to be this, this patting you on the back and saying, you poor thing, you just have it so bad. No, that can be agreeing with the enemy. No, you want to speak words of life, things that inspire hope, but you can do it in a spirit of meekness. Do you understand? You can do it and, and be bringing comfort. And here's something else. It talks about, you know, not singing a song of joy to somebody who's in the middle of heartache and grief. You know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, and joy in the spirit is not an emotion. It's a fruit of the spirit. And we have to understand that joy is not just about happy emotions. It's not just about laughing. It's not just about dancing. It can manifest itself in those ways, but it's really strength. It's spiritual strength. And so I am fully uh, confident that you can have that spiritual strength working on the inside of you and still be experiencing sorrow in your soul and even crying and weeping, and yet you can sense that spiritual strength rising up in you when you're abiding in the vine. Do you see that? And so we want to be careful about acting like joy is an emotion. It's not. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But at the same time, we also got to understand this. A garment of praise and worship you know, we see this with Job. When he got hit with that tragedy, the first thing he did was fall down in worship. And I said this in the last podcast, but worship is always the right response to anything, any kind of thing that comes against you. And here's the thing, though. I think some people have implied that worship and praise always has to be in a major key. That's a musical term. Do you know what I mean by that? And I don't agree with that because we've got 150 songs in the Bible <laughs> that are full of various emotions, and yet they're all praise and they're all worship. And really, worship is more about intimacy, and praise has to do with you magnifying the Lord. But part of magnifying the Lord is also acknowledging that He is the healer, and acknowledging what you're dealing with to the healer. You don't go into the doctor's office and just say, oh, no, everything's fine. Well, the doctor will say, well, why are you here? Oh, things just couldn't be better. No, uh, the Bible talks about pouring out our heart before the Lord. And that's one of the ways we have, we get healing is by going to him. Now, what you don't want to do is get over into bitterness and accusing people and accusing God. That's when you get into trouble. Now, he has mercy on babies in that area, but especially when he knows you know better, no, he'll correct you. <laughs> and, and God's not going to let you just get over into self-pity. He will correct you for getting over into self-pity because he knows that's a downward spiral, and yet he has compassion on you. He's there to comfort you. He wants you to be relieved. He wants you to be comforted. He wants you to be warmed in the midst of a cold situation. 
Do you see that? And he wants you to minister that comfort to other people. Amen. I hope that makes sense. So uh, let's move on here. Uh, I'll say this too. Um, just talking about comfort and uh, things of that nature. This came up in my heart recently. This is just a side note. Uh, there's a difference between messages that tickle the ears and messages that comfort the heart. Uh, I'm going to say that again. There's a difference between messages that tickle the ears and messages that comfort the heart. Um, our messages should bring comfort. I want my messages to bring comfort to people's hearts. But we're not supposed to preach messages that are just tickling people's ears, because really that's not doing anything for your spirit or your heart. Uh, there's a difference, though. I'm, I'm mindful of the passage in First Thessalonians where it talks about people who have gone to heaven and that we should not sorrow as those who have no hope. But you know what it goes on to say? Comfort each other with these words. So we're supposed to comfort each other. We're supposed to be there for each other. We're supposed to pity each other in the sense of how the Bible is describing pity in, in the way that God pities us. Amen. Glory to God. And he's not distant and far away with no knowledge or understanding of what we deal with. He's not hard to relate to. The Bible says we don't have a high priest who has not been touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but has in all points been tempted, like as we are and yet without sin. And so he knows what we're dealing with. He knows our frame. And because of that, he has compassion on us. He has mercy on us. He has pity on us. Let me read you some words of Jesus here in John 16, verse 19. It says, Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, uh, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves? And this is what they were wanting to ask him about. About what I said, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament. What did Jesus just say? He said, I'm telling you, certainly, of a surety, you're going to weep. And you're going to lament. You're going to have tears. Now, what if they would have said, oh, no, Lord, we're not going to weep. We're strong in faith. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We're not going to weep. Well, they would have been acting just like Peter acted when he responded to the Lord, <laughs> when God told him about some things that were going to go down. No, he said, you're going to weep, uh, but the world will rejoice. And he said, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Oh, come on. Somebody say, your sorrow will be turned into joy. And then he goes on to use this as an example. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Now, he's describing where they're at and what they have to look forward to. And he's saying, yeah, you have some tears right now. Yes, you're dealing with some sorrow right now. But I'm giving you hope. I'm giving you something to look forward to. That's going to get taken care of. And that sorrow is going to be turned in, into joy. Now, I, I know some people would read this and say, well, yeah, Ben, that's true. You know, they didn't, they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet, and, you know, he hadn't risen from the dead yet. But, you know, after that, you know, 
then they're supposed to have joy all the time now. You know, we're supposed to have joy all the time now because, you know, we have the Holy Spirit. And that's true in one sense. That's true that we should always be abounding in the fruit of the Spirit of joy. But that doesn't necessarily mean we're always going to be experiencing one emotion (laughs) or even acting like we're experiencing one emotion because joy is not an emotion. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's spiritual strength. And I'll show you what I mean because Paul is the one who said rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But did you know you can rejoice in the Lord, but not rejoice in yourself? You can have joy in the Lord while you have sorrow in yourself. What did Jesus say? Now you have sorrow. In other words, you have sorrow in yourself. So you can have sorrow in yourself and yet have joy in him. (laughs) Why? Because the soul and the spirit, though close together, are not the same. And there's a lot of mysteries in these things, but let me just give you an example of what I mean by that. And this is New Testament. This is the Apostle Paul writing. In Philippians chapter 2, he says, uh, verse 25, I considered it necessary to send to you Apaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost unto death. But watch this part. But God had mercy on him. Now, now let me just stop right here. Uh, this word mercy, I looked it up, the Greek word mercy. You want to know the first definition? Pity. The first definition of this Greek word mercy literally means pity. In other words, let's read it like this. But God had pity on him. And not only on him, but on me also. Paul said, God had pity on on Epaphroditus, and God had pity on me. And how did God have pity? He said, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Who's talking? Paul. Did Paul just say if his friend went home to be with the Lord, he'd have sorrow? He didn't just say that. He said he'd have sorrow upon sorrow. (laughs) Well, I thought Paul never sorrowed. Nuh-uh. Now, one time, Paul said, we despaired even of life. <laughs> did, did Paul experience some sorrow? Uh-huh. Did he say that if his friend had gone home to be with the Lord early, he would have experienced more sorrow? Yes. Look at what else he said. He said, he said therefore, I send him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I, watch this, may be less sorrowful. Now, I want to point this out to you. What Paul is saying is that he was at the brink of multiplied sorrow, sorrow upon sorrow. That means I'm already dealing with sorrow from this whole situation, and now we're going to go ahead and lay another layer of sorrow on top of that like a sorrow cake, and it's just going to add to the sorrow. And he said, I would have had that. But but what, what made the difference? God had pity on me. Oh, come on. Are you listening? God had pity on me. Therefore, I didn't have sorrow upon sorrow. In other words, God's pity shielded me from the sorrow. Oh, are you listening to me? It just came right out of my heart. The mercy, 
the compassion and the pity of God shielded me from this other wave of sorrow that was headed right for my little boat. (laughs) And he said, he said that I may be the less sorrowful. In other words, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God moved him into action to shield me from this sorrow that's trying to come against me and cause me to despair. Paul did not pretend that he wouldn't deal with sorrow if he had his friend go home to be with the Lord. And yet he said, God had mercy on me. He had pity on me. What am I saying to you? The mercy of God, the compassion of God, the pity of God has the ability to shield you from overwhelming sorrow. Even when stuff is happening, even when stuff has gone on, the pity of God. But see, you've got to receive that comfort. You've got to believe that as a father has pity on his children, so the Lord has pity upon you. And you've got to receive that comfort. And once you've received that comfort, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says you can comfort other people with the comfort wherewith you have been comforted. But if you don't believe God has pity on you, then you won't show pity to somebody else. Do you see that? And they won't be comforted. You won't have compassion on somebody else. If you think God is cracking a whip and telling you to suck it up and take it like a man, then that's how you're going to treat other people. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Bible does say that we are to endure hardness as good soldiers. I did a whole podcast on that. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about how to deal with heartache, how to deal with grief, and how to help other people deal with it. Amen. Let me read this to you in Revelation 21.4. Remember when Jesus said, now you're dealing with this, but you will have this. Well, we hear that same kind of language in this verse. It says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Now, he's talking about heaven. He's talking about the end here. Now, let me ask you a question. Do we still have some death? Uh Uh-huh. Now, we have victory over death, and death has lost its stain. Praise God, because we don't sorrow like those who have no hope, because we know we have a future, and a glorious future. At that, but there's still death. So if there's still death, what else is there? That means there's still some sorrow. That means there's still some crying. And yet, God said, I'm going to wipe away every tear. And there's not going to be any more of that. There's not going to be any more of that. But right now, like Jesus said, we still have some sorrow. But he said, be of good cheer. Because I've overcome the world. And what is it that will cause us to walk free from the torment (laughs) of sorrow in this life? Well, number one, it's hope. But number two, it's a revelation of the pity and the compassion of God. The love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God that wraps us up in a bubble of his presence and shields us from the cold. There it is. We put on a garment of praise. We magnify the Lord. We say, Father, I've got tears. I've got sorrow in my soul, but I'm magnifying you. I'm worshiping you. I'm praising you. I acknowledge that you are my source of warmth 
in the midst of the cold. And when you do that, you pour your heart out before him. You don't pretend with him. You don't try to act like you've got it all together. No, worship has to do with vulnerability. And worship is intimacy. And when you come to him like that, you are open to receive this mercy, this compassion that shields you from the cold, that puts you in a bubble (laughs) from the cold. It's like a wall in the face of a wave. Amen. Let me read this to you. Psalm 30, verse 5, it says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. In verse 10, it says, Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. Now, anytime I see David talk about, Lord, be my helper, I can't help but think about the Holy Spirit, who is called our helper. He said, You have turned for me, my mourning into dancing. You have what? Put off my sackcloth and you have clothed me with gladness. In other words, you've given me a garment. (laughs) You've given me a garment for the cold and I don't have to stay aching. I don't have to stay shivering in the cold of this world. I can be warmed I can be filled, I can be relieved, I can be free from every ache, from every pain. Why? Because God had compassion on me. God had pity on me. When we worship Him and praise Him, even in our sorrow and our tears, He removes from us our sackcloth and gives us a garment of praise. He takes away the ache and He brings the warmth of His love into the situation. Until we are like a baby who has been rocked to sleep in front of a warm fire. And we are at peace, we're at rest in Him. And that's what it means to be comforted by the Holy Spirit. And this is the kind of comfort that God wants us to minister to each other. In the midst of heartache, in the midst of grief. Amen. God wants you free from pain. He wants you free from heartache. He wants you to be comforted. And He's not only willing to do it. He's able to do it. He has given you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen. Well, this has been the No Content Podcast. This was the first episode of 2023 and season eight. I'm believing God that this ministered to you today. And, uh, you know, I don't normally do this, but we'll just kind of start out here in 2023. If, if you have a prayer request, if something comes up on your heart, uh, you can message me on Instagram or you can, uh, there's an area on Spotify where you can ask a question. You could leave it in that area if you have it, if you want it to remain anonymous. Um, but if there's anything I can hook faith with you about or pray with you about, I'd love to do that. And I want you to know that God loves you and I love you and uh, appreciate you listening today. And I will talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you, he loves everyone else, and please don't forget to feed the ducks.